Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Super Speed Golf. Now here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight here on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and and boy, are we going to have a good time tonight. You know why? Because I get to share two more of my favorite guests with you over the next hour. And, you know, that's what makes the show so much fun for me. I hope it makes it fun for you as well, because getting to share my good friends that I've been able to make over the course of doing this show and and have them share their stories and their insights, their playing lessons, all of those sorts of things. So I get to sort of sit back and just let them share all of those things with you and, and you know, just sort of be a part of the listening audience. That's what I love so much, because these guys are in are all so great and I really appreciate the fact that they can continue to come back and share more of their stories and insights with us. First up with me tonight is going to be 2011 U.S. Senior Open champion Olin Brown and and Olin is in the midst of another great season out there on the Champions Tour. Gotten on a roll lately and it's, it's right at the right time because the Charles Schwab Cup playoffs begin this week and uh, he's heading into them like I say playing some great golf. Did you guys see the 65 foot or so birdie putt he sank Last weekend at the uh, SAS Championship. If you haven't, go online, check out it. It's on my Twitter page at CT Mascaro. It's on our Facebook page next on the T with Chris Mascaro. So please go check it out. An amazing putt. And uh, so we'll certainly talk about that. I also want to get Olin's thoughts. He was an assistant captain at the 2008 Ryder Cup on part of the U.S. team and want to get his thoughts on what he remembers from that time. And he's talked about that on the show several times about how that's one of the highlights of his golfing career. Plus, also want to get his insights on, you know, why we can continue to struggle at this event. Also want to talk about his son, Owen Brown Jr., who played well this year out on the McKenzie Tour, and he's currently trying to qualify for the Web.com Tour. Made it through the first stage of that, so I want to hear about that. Also want to get how stressful that is for Owen. I know what it's like watching my son play junior golf. I can only imagine what it's like for him. He's out there, you know, playing on the Champions Tour, also trying to get updates on how his son is doing through Q school. wonder what's more stressful for him. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Owen will join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from new Champions Tour player and one of the top instructors in the game, Dave Stockton Jr. Dave turned 50 back on July 31st and immediately played in the next tournament, the 3M Championship up in Blaine, Minnesota. So we'll talk about his experience there. Also want to get his perspective on the Ryder Cup. His father played you know, on a couple of successful Ryder Cup teams. He was the captain when the U.S. team won back in 1991, and he was another assistant captain along with Owen back in 2008. So both of my guests know a thing or two about how to win Ryder Cup, so we'll hear their insights on that. And Dave, like his father, is a, a great instructor, particularly with respect to putting, so we'll get some putting tips from him as well. So looking forward to having Dave join me here a little bit later on in this half hour. So a lot more great stories and playing lessons coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Team. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour. But before we get started, I always like to remind you about our good friend Matthew Lawrence and his show Backspin Golf, which airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's my regular Sunday, 8.03 a.m. Tea Time. It's broadcast on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can stream it by going on live to WLXG.com, or you can do what I did, which is download the WLXG app. Matthew does a great job, and it's a great way to kickstart your Sunday mornings. His equally fantastic twin brother, Mitchell, also has a great golf show that marries golf and travel. It's called Talking Golf Getaways, which you can find online at golfnewsnet.com or over on Audio Boom, or really anywhere you consume your podcast. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, travel all over the world, and they let you know about great places to play, Stay and even eat while you're there. Again, it's called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online at golfnewsnet.com or over on Audio Boom. And as you guys know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on up there. 
Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place to have up there and to book your stay as well. Also want to give a shout out to our friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan irons since the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor. Get a demo iron of either their Fort Worth PTX or New Edge irons and go out on the range and compare them to whatever you have. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids online by going to BenHoganGolf.com, and they're going to build clubs to your specifications, and best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Again, check out their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. We're also proud to be partnering with Russ Holden and the wonderful folks over at Caddy for a Cure. And one of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fanconi Anemia. You're going to get to walk side by side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. And in addition to the amazing experience you're going to have, you're going to get a, a wonderful gift package from Caddy for a Cure which includes Under Armour logoed apparel and an eyewear package, a tour grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky, and professional photographs from your day. Go online to Caddy for a Cure. That's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E, caddyforacure.com to learn more. All right, now back in making his fifth appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Owen Brown. Let me remind you about Owen's background. He's from Washington, D.C., and he attended Occidental College out in L.A. He joined the golf team as a sophomore and gradually moved up to be their number one player. He was named first team all-conference, that's all SEIAC golfer, back in 1980 and 1982. And he received an at-large invitation to the NCAA Division III Championship. He was inducted into their Golf Hall of Fame back in 1997. And their Golf Annual MVP Award, now named in his honor. Turned pro in 1984, and he won four times on what was then the Nike Tour, twice in 1991, once in 93, and again in 96. He's won three times on the regular tour at the 1998 Greater Hartford Open by chipping in from 40 feet to defeat uh, Stuart Sink and Larry Mize in a playoff. He also won the 1999 Colonial and the 2005 Deutsche Bank Championship. In 2005, he won the PGA Tour's Comeback Player of the Year Award, and over the course of his playing career. He's had five wins, 46 top 10s, and 108 top 25s. Included in those five wins are two so far on the Champions Tour back at the 2011 U.S. Senior Open and the 2015 Greater Gwinnett Championship here in Atlanta. He's out having a great season right now on the Champions Tour, and in the last few weeks, he's had a tied for ninth and a tied for 11th, which we'll talk about here in a moment. I'm rooting very hard for him every week, and I'm thrilled that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Owen, thanks for coming back on the show tonight. Uh, I'm shocked that you keep inviting me back, but it's a pleasure to be with you. <laughs> I appreciate you, Owen. So, uh, like I mentioned a moment ago, Owen, your your game looks very solid heading into the Charles Schwab Cup playoffs. A tied for ninth at the Sanford International Tournament, tied for 11th at the Pure Insurance Championship two weeks ago, and then looking at last week's tournament, a 66 in the first round, highlighted this weekend with a 65-foot birdie putt on 13. Talk about the state of your game. Well, you're being really charitable by saying I'm having another, another great year out there because I'm really not. But the last few weeks have been a lot better. Uh, things are coming together, and and I've started to see some some uh, good some good rounds and some good shots. And uh, I'm excited about being in the playoffs and trying to make a run towards the Charles Schwab Cup final. Tell me about that 65 footer over the weekend. That's an amazing putt. It was kind of a ridiculous putt. It was up and over a ridge, and it broke about six or seven feet right to left. 
and uh, you know, I I hit this shot from I kind of hit an indifferent tee shot. It was into the wind, and I flared my second shot into the green, and I let you know. I left myself this ridiculous putt, and I, John Cook was walking with our group that day, and he looked at me and says, you can make that putt, and I go, yeah, I can, you're right, we'll see, and then I go up there, and it went right in the middle of the hole, so Cookie gave me the right gave me the right mindset, and bam, it went in. Just blind luck, and really. And I, and I saw Jerry Kelly went over and got the ball out of the hole for you, sort of presented it back to you. What did Jerry say to you? Well, he should have picked it up for me. You know, you make a 65-foot putt like that's a lot of work. Somebody else ought to help you out with picking the ball out of the cup. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, Jerry's young. He can handle it. It always be back to the point. You know, you are playing a lot better right now. So, is is it something you've changed? Have you been working on something, or is it just sort of all just come together at the right time? Can I tell you that golf is a constant work in progress? I mean, you know, it doesn't matter how well you play, you can always play better. It doesn't matter how poorly you play, you can always, you could always save a couple of shots one way or the other. And so, you know, this, it's a moving platform. My dad likes to say, you know, it's a moving platform and, and it's just, there's nothing that comes easily in this game. And, uh, you know, that's part of the joy of it is the challenge of going out there and facing, you know, not being a hundred percent or not being, you know, totally uh, in a groove and you got to find a way to get the ball, get the ball around the golf course and get it in the jar. So it's never fun while you're grinding and things aren't going your way. But when you look back and you saved every possible shot you could have that day, you know, that's kind of a rewarding thing. And, uh, I have great admiration for guys like Bernhard Leiter. He just won his 38th championship on the PGA tour champions. And, you know, I think we're all going to find a way to, take him out down the road because the guy's <laughs> killing us. You know, he's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things public, I wanted to get you. public peril. That's one of, one of the things I wanted to get your perspective on. He's like, you know, the Tiger Woods, you know, run back in the early 2000s. I mean, the guy just keeps on winning. He's like a machine, just, you know, tournament after tournament. He's always at the top of the points list and all that sort of stuff. What What is it? Have you talked to him? Like, what what's the magic? How does he do it? So he... I don't know what it is, but you know, everybody says he's from Germany. And personally, I think he's from Easter Island. He's one of those aliens that came down and they brought him down here and dropped him off on his spaceship and he's, he's a freak. The guy's unbelievable. He, he's 61 years, 60 or 61 years old. He looks like he's 28. He swings beautifully all the time. He, you know, he's got no flaws in his game. He hits the ball farther than people think. He, you know, his ball striking is top notch. His putting is beautiful. I mean, the guy, the guy's relentless. He's like water. It's just, you know, chips away at the rocks and so there's nothing left i mean he's just he's a remarkable competitor uh well deserving of being in the hall of fame and probably our marquee player out here on the pga tour champions oh and i want to switch gears a little bit i want to get your thoughts on this year's Ryder cup we've we've talked before about your time being an assistant captain with paul lazinger back in 2008 when the u.s team won here at valhalla and you've talked about how that was one of the biggest thrills of your golf career. So you know what it takes to win. What are you seeing from the U.S. team, particularly this year? What went wrong? Well, it's, you know, it's hard to, hard to say that anything went wrong. You know, each home team has an enormous advantage because they control the championship. The home team sets up the golf course. It sets the whole location. It determines whether the fairways are wide or narrow. It determines the speeds of the green. It determines hole locations. There are so many things that go into it. Uh, and, you know, the home field advantage is as, uh, relevant, uh, to the Ryder Cup as anything is anywhere, anytime. It's like going into New England and having to play the Patriots. I think this year everybody was expecting, for example, Kansas City to go in there and show what they've been doing. And they did. They scored 40 points. The problem is the Patriots scored 43. You go, you go to European soil and play the Ryder Cup. You got your, you know, you got your, uh, big job in front of you. You come over to the American, to the American side and play on American soil. You got, you got your hands full as well. So, you know, I, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with what's going on in the Ryder Cup. The home field advantage is enormous. And, uh, that was, uh, obvious this last time around. And Owen, I think, you know, in the aftermath, we started to hear, you know, rumblings w- internally with the team, right? The DJ and the Kepka issue and, and, you know, Patrick Reed and who he wanted to play with and pairings and stuff like that. And these are guys 
that are young guys that are probably going to be playing on many, many more Ryder Cups. So somehow you got to have a captain that can bring them together. How do we get them back together? Well, in the first place, I don't believe a, a damn thing that anybody says in the media. Um, there are, you know, the, the Ryder Cup has a, has legs of its own. Who knows what really went on? I, I'm certainly not privy to it. But I can tell you this. The American guys are really good. I bet they're bent about having lost. They didn't lose. They got smoked. I bet they're bent about having lost the Ryder Cup. And I, I think that when the Ryder Cup comes back to American soil, they're going to be ready and, and ready to rock and roll. So, uh, you know what? I, I don't know what the answers are. Uh, all I know is that Paul Azer was a great captain. He had great assistant captains, and we had a great team, and we had so much fun. I remember during our Ryder Cup experience that the media, some of the media, some of the Euros, why the Americans don't seem to play so great in the Ryder Cup. And the kind of like the theme of the response was, we have more fun than they do. They don't have as much. Well, I can tell you when they were getting beaten in 2008, they weren't having a heck of a lot of fun either. So <laughs> winning cures a lot of ills, right? Yeah. The simple, the simple fact of the matter is, is that, is that the Ryder Cup on home soil is a huge, huge advantage. And you can take the world golf rankings and you can take the pundits with their points of view on this, that, and the other thing. The fact of the matter is the Ryder Cup on home soil is an enormous advantage, and the home team has to figure out a way around that in order to come out victorious. To the point you just made a moment ago, Olin, when you look at the things that you guys did, the things that Paul Eisinger did, the cap- the assistant captains that you were you know, partnered with and that sort of thing, what made you guys so successful? What made it so much fun for you guys outside of the winning? I mean, I think everybody, everybody was part of the team. You know, there were a lot of great guys who came together as a team. There were, you know, there were the, cl- the class clowns, the guys who kept things loose. There were the, there were the go-getters, the guys who set the tone with their great play, making seven or eight or nine birdies in a round of golf. I mean, I think, I think, look, if I were the Ryder Cup captain, the first thing that I would do is I would call Bill Belichick and ask him how to build a team because that guy understands how to do that. And I think, that, and I think all these guys do, you know, I mean, everybody knows somebody in, in some other sport that has, that has built a great team and established a great team environment. But, but the bottom line is, is that, is that, you know, it's one week out of 52 weeks in the year. And you know what? The New England Patriots to, to, to lean on them again, they, they, you know, they were the favorite, the prohibitive favorites in a couple of Super Bowls to the New York Giants and they lost. So, you know, you can't have it your way every time. But the bottom line is, is that, is that, you know, there needs to be a tone that's set early in the week. And when that gets established and the players buy in and the players really dig what they're doing and having a great time, that they're going to have a great week and the result is going to be in their favor. And I think the Euros have figured that out. And we have too. I mean, we, you know, we don't, we don't lose every Ryder Cup. Everybody acts like it's the end of the world when we've lost it. We haven't. Uh, you know, we were defending champs last time we went over, uh, this, this time around. And so, uh, it's just one of those things that happen. It's what makes it so compelling. Every two years, 12 guys face off against one another on their soil and in our soil, and somebody comes out victorious more often than not. Occasionally there's a tie, but it's more often than not. One side or the other wins, and, and, and it's the greatest show in golf, for sure. Olin, I want to get uh, your perspective. I know your son is is going through what amounts to Q school now for the web.com tour after having a successful season up on the McKenzie tour up in Canada and he's made it through the the first round. So update us on how's he how he's doing. Oh, well, he's you know, he's really feeling uh, great right now. He he made it right on the button. Made a clutch par on the last hole to uh to make it and uh played solidly all week. His tee to green game was really sound. He feels like there's some things that he can work on to improve for the next couple of stages, and he's working on those things right now. But, you know, he's blossomed into a pretty nice player, and he's just got to put it all together just uh, very much like the Ryder Cup. You know, you got to figure out a way to be mellow before the event occurs and then peak when that, when that particular week comes as part of the learning process, and he's doing a great job with it, and he's having a lot of fun too. Is it more stressful if you might? I have a son that plays junior golf, and when I watch him play in tournaments, you know, I, I'm stressed out watching him and rooting for him and hoping he does well and hits good shots and all that sort of thing. Is it more stressful for you playing out on, in a Champions Tour event or more stressful wondering how he's doing 
whether it's on the McKenzie tour in a tournament there or now going into the next stage for uh, the web.com tour. Is this a trick question? (laughs) (laughs) What's that like? You're a dad. You're a dad. if, if, If there's a dad, if there's a dad on this planet who doesn't care more about what his kid's doing than what he's doing, then he doesn't deserve being a dad. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what, the, the stress, the stress level, uh, stress is a, it's a, you know, there's, there's, there's interest, there's concern, there's, yeah, there's a little bit of stress. I, I've caddied for him a bunch, like he caddies for me occasionally. And caddying for him, it's easy because I'm in it. I'm doing yardages, I'm getting wind directions, I'm helping with reeds and all this kind of stuff. When I'm watching from behind the tree, it sucks. I mean, that's just the bottom line, you know, because you want more for your kids than than really you're capable of giving them. And here's the trick is you got to be able to cut loose and let them go. And uh, it's been my experience that kids are sharper and more in tune and more capable than we grownups. And my kid is not a kid anymore. I mean, he's a grown up. He's got two kids of his own. But, you know, we – there are children and there will always be our children. I'm going to be 90 years old and my son's going to be, you know, 60 and I'm, he's still going to be my son, right? And my daughter the same. And so if, if you allow your kids to be who they are and trust their ability to make good decisions and their choices and let their talent shine, you know, they'll, they'll surprise you. And it's not my kids. It's not your kids. It's everybody's kids. I think sometimes try and we try and lay things out too clearly for them when in fact it's all about them. They got to figure it out for themselves. Uh, but, but it's in any walk of life, whether they're doctors, lawyers, or, you know, golfers or whatever, they're, they're pretty in tune with who they are and what they want. And if we let them do their thing, I think they, they have the capacity to surprise us all. So how do you focus when you're playing and he's playing at the same time? Because I, what, I, what I imagine about you is you're hitting the shot, you're grabbing the cell phone, kind of look to see what's going on. How do you focus when he's playing and you're playing? Oh, no, that never happens. We're not allowed to use cell phones on the golf course. Uh, yeah, I have my nose in the phone the whole day. I'm checking the scores. Plus, I had uh, my wife and my daughter out following them, and I got the play-by-play from them. And, you know, there were some stretches where I'm going, I'm not checking. And then I'd wait three or four holes and go, I got to check, you know. And so, yeah. Yeah, of course, we're invested, you know. We're invested as parents because we care so deeply about what they're doing and we want so desperately for our children to succeed, right? I'm hoping, you know, I've had a wonderful career on tour. I'm hoping my son gets into the Hall of Fame one day, right? I mean, that's what we all want for our kids. We want them to achieve their dreams, to succeed at the highest level, to whatever the limitations are of their imaginations might be. And so, yeah, I mean, I had my snoot in the phone checking out what was happening. And, and, uh, I just think that's a natural, that's a natural part of being a parent. Now, the problem is to temper that enough so you don't stress out the kids with, with, uh, <laughs> you know, with your stress. I mean, that's the deal. <laughs> oh, and I want to switch gears again and, and kind of get back to, to your game and, as as you now head into the Charles Schwab playoffs, is is the strategy different for you? Is the mindset different than what you would have going into just a regular Champions Tour tournament now that it's a playoff event? Do, do you have to think differently because of the cut downs and all of those other things? Um, interesting question. I I think that if you're if you're playing well, you're you know, you're you're first of all you're you're not distracted by that. If you're playing well, you're, uh, you're making the proper call at the proper moment. And that takes a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, question mark out of what you're doing. So, uh, it's true to your point that, uh, I've started playing better the last couple of weeks and that really has value. So I'm going to go out this week and next week and try and hit as many high quality shots as I can and try and not be distracted by where I am, what I'm trying to do. Because real golf isn't about – really good golf is really boring. You're hitting the ball on the button. You're hitting it where you're aiming it. If you do happen to make a mistake, oftentimes you get a good bounce or a good break. But the, but the bottom line is, is that, look, you just have to go out and play solid golf 
and not get distracted by, you know, the grander idea at the end of where you're trying to get. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Everything is everything is is the task at hand. I mean, nothing nothing synthesizes what you need to do more than golf. In that, you know, if you're on hole number three and you're worried about number sixteen, you're DOA, right? You got no chance. So it narrows. It has a, it has a way of narrowing your focus. I mean, this is one of the things that I think that a guy like Bernhard Langer does absolutely better than anybody else. Is he addresses the issue or the task at hand? He doesn't worry about projecting a hole later or three holes later or three weeks later. He's worried about everything in the immediate. And that's kind of what, you know, it's kind of one of the things that makes, I think if you come out here and you talk to, to a lot of golfers, they have an ability to ignore what just happened and what's about to happen and focus on what is immediate. And I think that's the secret. to I mean, you watch Tiger Woods when he plays. He couldn't care less about what happened on hole number three when he's on hole number 13. And at the same time, he couldn't care less what's about to happen at Amen Corner, for example, at Augusta, when he's trying to hit his tee shot on number eight. Uh, I think that's really kind of the key to playing well. Oh, and before I let you go, I know you're a football fan like I am, and you're a Redskins fan, so give me your thoughts. How, how far can your Redskins go this season? Well, if you want my honest opinion, I was shocked that they beat Carolina this last weekend. I thought that, uh, I thought that Alex Smith fell into their laps and it was blind luck because I thought they had a pretty good quarterback and they spent so much time screwing around with him and his contract that they let him go to Minnesota. And actually they could have signed him for less than it cost them to sign Alex Smith. So Alex Smith got signed to this contract. Plus they traded away a third round pick and a and a uh, good quarterback to get him. Having said that, Alex Smith is a very accomplished player and a solid player, and I think he does a great job. I think it's a tit-for-tat switcheroo. Um, I, I wish that the Redskins could get on a roll and sustain some of that momentum, and I hope that they I hope that they figure that out. They've got a lot of talented players on that team, and it, there just needs to be a little continuity from the top down. I like Jay Gruden. I think he does a good job, um, and I'm just hoping for the best with them. And uh, I just think that they, you know, what they need to do, look, the NFC East is a horrible division right now. The Eagles look like they're getting their legs up from under them. The Dallas, Dallas played a really good game last week. So maybe, maybe teams are starting to put it together. I think it's going to be a tough road to hoe. I think it's conceivable that the winner of the division goes nine and seven. So anybody is in it at this point. The New York Giants look like they're really going to struggle all year long. So you know what? They're in the mix. And that's, uh, at this point in the season, that's about all you can say. Well, Owen, you're uh, you're one of the great internet disc jockeys of all time. Remind our listeners how they can follow you online and on social media. I'm at Olin Brown on Twitter. Uh, I post the song of the day every day. I pick a song that I've always liked or do like or just heard, something that may be or may not be pertinent to that particular time and place. Um, you know, July 4th, I like playing the national anthem, for example. Uh, but I like country music. I like rock and roll. I like old Motown. I have diverse, uh, hey, I, I like listening to Mozart, Beethoven, and Handel too. So, I mean, I have a diverse taste in music. I try and post something that welcome everybody to the new day and check it out, Olin Brown, uh, at Olin Brown on Twitter and see what, see if you like it. There you go. Olin, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. Always a huge thrill for me to have you as part of the segment. And, uh, I thank you for doing it and, uh, certainly looking forward to the next time already. Well, I'd like to apologize for that, but you're so nice to say it. Thanks so much, Chris. Always a pleasure talking to you. This is number five. Let's make it number six soon. Looking forward to it. Take care, Owen. All the all best right, to, to you and your family. Be well. Thank you, buddy. See you, man. That's a great Owen Brown. And again, uh, you know, in, into the Charles uh, Schwab uh, Cup playoffs now on the uh, Champions Tour. Follow him at, at Owen Brown, and there's an E on the end of Brown there. And uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Great stuff always. And the songs that he, that he posts are always uh, wonderful to listen to. It is a great way to kick off your mornings, and uh, I'm pulling hard for him, hoping uh, he goes deep into the playoffs. It's uh, It's been great having him as part of the show over the years, and I look forward to the next time he's able to join me. All right, before I get to my next guest, Dave Stockton Jr., I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors. First, folks, you've heard me talking about the M4 driver from TaylorMade over the last several months. If you haven't tried their new Twist Face technology, you're missing out. I don't know about you, but I don't hit it in the center of the face every single time. And after studying hundreds of thousands of swings from pros and amateurs like us, 
TaylorMade designed their new drivers to help protect us from our mishits and give us straighter distance. So whether your mishit is on the low heel or the high toe, Twist Face helps bring the ball back to center, keeping the distance that we want and finding the fairway more often. I'm hitting more fairways than I ever have. Their new drivers are also the choice of some pretty good golfers you might recognize. Twist Face is played by Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, John Rahm, and Dustin Rose, just to name a few. And they're dominating, obviously, out there on the top 10 on tour. So if you haven't tried Twist Face, go hit it and get fit. It's in the new M3 and M4 drivers and only from TaylorMade. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends at Super Speed Golf. Now used by over half of the tour players around the world, Super Speed Golf is the fastest and most effective way to increase your swing speed. Three eight-minute training sessions per week are all you need to see a 5% increase in your swing speed. With sets for golfers of all ages and over one year of included video instruction as well, Super Speed offers a complete solution to help you bomb it off the tee. Visit them online at superspeedgolf.com and pick up your set today. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their new fall collection has arrived, and now is the perfect opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. They make style easy because you can find carefully coordinated outfits in a variety of colors and options online by going to bobbyjones.com. And the Bobby Jones brand delivers excellence as genuine as the legend himself, and their collection of golf performance and lifestyle apparel for both men and women, absolutely outstanding. Again, go online to bobbyjones.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at pgatoursuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back in making his eighth appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Dave Stockton, Jr. Let me remind you about Dave's background. He's from Redland, California. Like his father and grandfather, he was an All-American golfer at the University of Southern California. He joined what is now the Web.com Tour back in 1993 and won twice his rookie year at the Nike Connecticut Open and the Nike Hawkeye Open. He went through Q School in 1994 and earned his tour card when he finished 96th on the PGA Tour list that year. From 1993 to 2006, he had six top 10 finishes on the Web.com Tour and 13 top 10 finishes on the PGA Tour. Following his days on tour, he spent a couple of years as a commentator for the USA Network. He's now one of the top instructors on the planet. And since he's turned 50 back on July 31st, he got out on his first Champions Tour tournament. And I'm excited that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Dave, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Thanks for having me back. I appreciate you. Good to be on with you. I appreciate that. And Dave, before we get into the golf stuff, right, I got to get your thoughts on your Trojans this season. Four and two, <laughs> three and one in the conference. You got a tough one at Utah, Utah on Saturday. So tell me about your Trojans. How do you feel about USC this season? Well, you know, it's considering that our quarterback should be a senior high school right now. Uh, and he's playing, <laughs> um, you know, that's pretty impressive. But, uh, you know, it's a tough year. Uh, so anytime you have a freshman quarterback, first time playing, and then unfortunately we lost Porter Gustin, said linebacker, and at the end of the game, he sh- I don't even think he should have been in the game, but uh, we uh, we lost him for the year to a broken ankle, I guess, and so that doesn't help, and now we got to go to play at Utah, which is always a tough place to go play. And Dave, surprised at all by the success Sam Darnold is having? Yeah, I mean he's. I mean I'm I'm biased being a Trojan. We were blown away with what he did. I was at the, we were at the Rose Bowl when they played Penn State, and that was one of the best games we've ever seen. And you know, just back and forth with you know. Studs like uh, Second Barkley running the ball with Penn State, and and then uh, bringing the ball back the other way for the Trojans. It was uh, it was pretty epic. So it was you know um, just impressive to watch. And I kind of figured he'd step right into the NFL and, and have some success. I don't I don't know if uh, you know it's still real early, and he's had some great games. You know. Uh, impressed with is he's been able to if he's made a mistake like his first pass in the NFL was an interception to come back and they you know end up winning the game and you know that was that was a blow that was 
You know, it just shows how strong he is mentally to come back from a mistake like overcome it. So, Dave, let's let's talk a little golf. And like I mentioned in your intro, you recently turned 50 years old, and you immediately go out there and and get in in the uh, Champions Tour event at the 3M Championship up in Minnesota. So, talk about uh, your first taste of being out on the Champions Tour. You know what? The it was so much fun um, to get out there and uh, play with the guys that I played with in the 90s. You know, you just had Olin on. I played a lot of golf with Olin all through the 90s and early 2000s. And, um, you know, just like he is an unbelievably great guy, all the guys out there uh, are. And I was looking forward to getting back out and mixing it up with them. And, um, so one thing I really didn't know is how I would handle uh, how I would handle it mentally if I would be if I would be able to handle it. And I was happy to time. I was I cherished it and embraced it. I was just pumped to get in there and play. And he was funny in the first tee shot. You know, you never know. I mean, I've thought about it plenty. But having been 14 years since I played on tour, uh, that's a, an eternity in professional golf. And um, I didn't know how I would respond. And I got up on the first tee and they announced me. And, and I started having my yeah, another family. My mom was there as well. And, uh, my dad was at it out in Colorado that day, so he didn't, he got there about halfway through. But uh, they announced me and I just got up and I felt really calm and comfortable over it. And I ripped it right down the left center of the fairway and hand the, hand the driver to my buddy caddy for me. I said, you okay? And he, he looked at me like, yeah, yeah, I just think I'm more nervous than you are. And I just <laughs> kind of laughed. I said, come on, buddy. This is fun. Are you? Kidding? We're gonna have a blast. So that was my if I would be able to handle uh nerve wise. And it sure was nice to to feel that I could and know that I could. Um <laughs> now my play on the other hand, Chris, was uh, less than desirable. Um and I was just glad that uh you know Steve Lowry had a rough week and withdrew after the first day and had Reimer in there, so thank goodness Reimer played, so I didn't finish last, but uh I knew it was going to be kind of a, a tough week or an interesting week, I should say, because I uh, played four pro-ams Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And those four pro-ams, I was, um, uh, I had 14 birdies and two eagles in the four rounds. And I was a combined one over par. So right there, I knew I was, uh, you know, going to have an interesting week because those are pro-ams <laughs> where the pins are in the middle. Those pins are in the middle. They're not on the corners. And, as you know, when they turn put the tournament on and it's going, it, they're tucking those pins. So, yeah, I struggled, and uh, you know, I learned a ton. Uh, what I did know is that uh, I miss playing, I enjoy it, um, and uh, I look forward to my next event uh, when I get a chance to play. And uh, one of the best lines, I loved it. it. Was Saturday morning. I was putting my shoes on in my locker and kind of frustrated with my smooth 78 the first round and Kenny Perry of all people walks by me Saturday morning and he says well Junior how was your first round on the Champions Tour and I said well you know KP you have to, yeah, I wish I could have stopped after two holes I was one under through two holes <laughs> and uh, unfortunately unfortunately I threw in a triple and a double on the front side for good measure and uh, he he said, he shook his head and he said, you know, my first round on the Champions Tour, he said, was in, uh, at the Woodland. He said, my first round was in Houston. And, um, I, uh, <laughs> I thought, he said it's at 76 or something like that. Uh, he was, you know, really frustrated sitting at his locker. But I was sitting right after like you are, putting my shoes on. John Cook walks by me and Cookie says, well, KP, how was your first round on the Champions Tour? I said to him, you know, not very good, just like you did. And he said, you know what he said to me? I said, what? He said, well, you know what they say out here on the Champions Tour? Play well on the weekend. Yeah, because there's no cut. So, you know, you're going to play every weekend, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of nice. And I, I just thought that was great. And then uh, he, he proceeds to go out and shoot 60, and I shoot 75 and get beat by 15 by him. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I've learned that uh, you've got to golf your ball out there. and they can flat play. I mean, what Bernard, he just won again. I mean, it's, it's a 39 wins. I think he's had something like that. And, 
it's just mind blowing how good people don't realize how good these guys are. And, you know, the courses are not, uh, length isn't an issue for me. I hit it a long ways. Uh, these courses aren't short. I mean, you got some short holes, but these guys are, they keep the ball in play and they manage their game so well. It's impressive. It was impressive to, to watch it and play and, you know, mix it up. But, um, you know, the, I think the, you can look at, I know Chris DeMarco just turned 50. He was like a week, three days after I turned 50, he turned and, uh, uh, he and Dudley Hart as well. And I thought Chris would come out and play better than he has. And I know that he's, uh, struggled, you know, not played as well as he Jimmy Kelly, a bunch of the guys. And, um, they said that talking to DeMarco, DeMarco was surprised at how low the guys are shooting out there on courses that aren't, aren't easy. I mean, they're not, they're making it look easy. In fact, uh, one he talked about was up in Seattle. They just played, and Chris was saying after playing pro-ams and stuff, he's like, man, this golf course, this is tough. He goes, this, I guess he says, I'm like, this is a tough golf course. And, and the, whoever he was talking to was like, no, not really. I mean, you got to go low here. Sure enough, I think Kevin Sutherland shot 60. Um, and it's just, it seems like someone's going low every week. It's just, it's the same thing with the regular tour, just on a, on the Champions Tour. So it's impressive. So are we going to get to see you out on the Champions Tour more in 2019? Uh, I'm hoping to get out and play. Um, I, you know, I'm not, uh, my dad and I, you know, we've taught so many guys over the years on the regular tour. We're currently not working with anybody. I've got a lot of juniors and a lot of people that fly in to see me, but we're not working with anybody on tour. So I have the time to work on my game and, and teach here, and, uh, but I'm, I've gotten a lot busier uh, designing synthetic turf greens for Back Nine Greens, the company that I'm a partner with. So I'm having a blast designing them for people. Great. I got one going in Nashville right now for a National Predator player in the middle of that one. But uh, I'm hoping to play next year. I'd love to get in, just get a little rhythm going. You know, jokingly, my line that week at the 3M, you know, the last time I played seven days in a row, I had a full head of hair, which <laughs> was a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping to, Chris. I'm, uh, I'm not going to Q school. I, uh, I just have too much going on and I, I kind of looked at it as I've never really played well in Tampa. I've never, Florida has always been tough for me a little bit. It's, uh, during the holidays, kind of around Thanksgiving and I do a lot of stuff here at home with the family. And so I, I just don't, uh, I'm not going to be going to the school, but I have, you know, veteran status for having, enough cuts made over 150 cuts on tour so i know that that and a cup of coffee will get you get you something but um, <laughs> i can try to monday i can try to monday and i, I know some events i'm you know I, I have a pretty good feeling i'll get into some and um you know it's what i do with those i mean a perfect example of someone taking advantage of the spots he's gotten into and he's played well is tom gillis and tom's played awesome he's made it into the playoffs and he turned 50 like within a week of when i turned he's around the same time and guy come out and he's had like three top fives and he's done well enough to get into the playoffs and just a minimal amounts of starts and uh that's the kind of thing i need to do if i'm going to play more and limit what i do teaching wise and green wise so i i enjoy teaching so much uh that i don't want to give that up and i make my own schedule it's great and i enjoy doing the, the greens as well it's just a it's a lot of fun so that's kind of where I'm at with it, kind of doing three things, not just one. So Right. <laughs> and you mentioned a moment ago you don't typically play well in Florida. Why not? Bermuda? Is it the Bermuda Greens, or what is it about Florida? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I just I mean, look at the finishes I've had in Florida. There, You know, a lot of miscuts, a lot of 40s and 50th place finishes and 60th and, you know, just kind of where you'd never see – uh, my name anywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. My best finish in Florida was in a, in a sprint playing with Dottie Pepper at the mixed team in '94. We finished second. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, but okay. um, you know, it's it's a. Uh, I don't know. I think living in California, I just don't. You know, maybe I got it from my dad. My dad never. God, he never played good in Florida. And then he won a Champions Tour event in Florida, which broke the streak. He said, I've ruined my streak in Florida. He was kind of laughing about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, Dave, I, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to get your perspective sure. uh, on the Ryder Cup. And, and your father 
was he was a successful captain in '94 at Kauai Island. He played on a couple of winning teams in '71 and '77. He was an assistant right. captain in '08 with Azinger and Olin Brown, our last guest. But um, yep. so you guys know a thing or two about what it takes to win a Ryder Cup. So what yep. are the Europeans doing so well, and where do we need to change things up? You know, it's funny. This question always comes up for the for the side that lost. What do we need to do better? And it doesn't happen as much. You don't hear it as much on the European side because they just haven't lost much lately. You know, there's a, a long list. I mean, it was I, my experience in Ryder Cup uh, 91, you know, being my dad's assistant captain before it was a big thing. It was a big thing to me uh, and my brother, Ron. We were the, my dad's assistant. That was it. Did definitely had input with my dad on on pairings and, and who was playing well and who should go and we talked about it and it was it was simpler back then even though it was the war by the shore and it was such a big week and big for my dad being captain and uh, for the U.S. side but I think uh, you know there was so many I think there was a lot of mistakes made in this last one you know they're gonna set it's no secret that they're gonna set the course up extremely tight with a lot of rough and to limit the strength of the bombers because it doesn't matter if you hit it long. If you're in six, eight inch rough or longer, you're not finishing the hole or you're not going to, you know, knock it on the green. And knowing that, and then you play the Ryder Cup in two years at Whistling Straits, we will have wide fairways. Uh, the fairways will widen out the farther you go. I mean, it's built for, you know, the, the, the home team gets to set the course up the way they want. So knowing that going in, I would have picked personally, I would have, you know, I would have picked a Kisner or a Xander Shoffley, two guys that drive the ball very straight and have had, you know, solid years again. And two guys with zero scar tissue from losing Ryder Cups. Uh, Bryson, you know, Bryson wins two tournaments in a row and it's like, you almost feel like you have to pick him. I get that. And he was really hot, you know, but you take those I'm not sure how those clubs and that swing works in rough like that if you've got to come in the same way every time. It's more of a sweeping motion and not a, you know, hitting down and compressing as much because of the length of the club. But, and then, you know, Phil, I know Phil wanted to play in his 12th Ryder Cup, but I didn't think that was the right choice either, simply because of the golf course, knowing they were going to make it very tight. Yeah, Phil's the ultimate gamer and he loves the challenge and he loves the, you know, he loves to battle, but you know, his Ryder Cup record's not very good. And, um, you're putting him on a golf course that you can't spray it. He can spray it in every tour event he plays in on the PGA tour other than U.S. Open, you know, maybe a couple events that he probably doesn't even play because he can't bomb it and just hit it out of the rough and knock it on the green. And if you, that course, the way it was set up, it couldn't have been, I mean, and with him not on his game too, that was a tough one. And then I don't know why he was an alternate shot. I have no idea. Um, when I saw that pairing, I said, that is going to be a bad blowout. <laughs> Just because it, he, I knew he wasn't in good form coming in and, and to put him in an alternate shot where you're going to be putting your partner in tough spots. You know, I, Every year when we lose, it comes back to, oh, the team didn't play as a team. You know, they weren't, they, they didn't come together. That's the same thing we hear every time. And, you know, I think there was part of that there, but, you know, you definitely had some dysfunction this year with the Patrick Reed stuff and his wife making comments. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, <laughs> that doesn't help things. And it, especially when it happens afterwards. So if it happens after, you know, stuff's going on during it. And, you know, who knows the full story of what went on Sunday night when the dust up supposedly happened with Brooks and, and DJ. I mean, they're best buds. So what happened? Who knows? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a draining emotional week and, uh, always harder for the away team. You know, I thought some of the pairings were, weren't the best and Jim owned it. You know, Jim, I thought Jim did a great job. I think some of the decisions he made were wrong, but you know what? Anytime you make a decision and it ends up losing or not getting the point, they're going to second guess. You know, I think about my dad's Ryder Cup in 91. He had two picks and that was it. This is something where, I mean, this this will tell you something that people don't really know, but Curtis Strange wins back-to-back U.S. Opens, 89 and 90. And my dad and him are really good friends, played a lot of golf together. And my dad said, you're, and he was on the team points-wise too. He's like, my dad's like, you're on the team. You don't win two U.S. Opens, you know, and, and got time, got closer to the Ryder Cup. And Curtis just was not playing very well in 91. My dad went to Curtis and said, how do you feel? He says, I don't belong on that team. He says, don't pick me. He said, I'm not playing well. 
And that was really big of Curtis to say that. You know, I mean, here's a guy that's just one. And you know how confident Curtis Strange is. I mean, I, I played with him in the early 90s, and he's extremely confident. You know, for him to say that, uh, that to me, you know, on another side of the Ryder Cup in 91 at Kiowa was uh, my dad had the guys come prior to to see the course and walk around it and get a feel for it. They couldn't play it yet because Pete Dye hadn't finished it yet. In fact, there was questions whether or not it was going to get finished. By the way, do you know where the Ryder Cup was supposed to be played in 91? No, where? <laughs> Here's a little trivia for you. You're not going to believe it, but stadium course at PGA West. Really? Yep. But when we lost at home, when we lost, you know, we lost several in the 80s. And when we lost at, at Muirfield in 87 with, with Jack as the captain on his own golf course. Um, right. PGA and the Ryder Cup became really big. That's why you will not see another Ryder Cup on the West Coast. They won't do it because of the amount of what time it is in Europe during the Ryder Cup. Although I could say living in California and watching it when they were in Paris right? last time wasn't a whole lot of fun. So <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't mind it being on the West Coast. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was supposed to be at PGA West Stadium, which you can imagine in September. I lived there 27 years. I, we moved. But I lived there in 27 years, and September is not when you want to be in the desert. It is not fun. It's hot and humid. and Courses aren't in the greatest shape either, so it would have been interesting. But, um, you know, my dad had the guys come in, get familiar with the course. You know, I would have thought that I would hope that Furyk asked the guys to come over, but I know only a couple of the guys had seen it, and I would have made that a requirement. If you're serious about wanting to play in this Ryder Cup, you need to go over and play this golf course and give me your feedback. And and that's really, I know it's pain, travel and everything, but that's kind of what you're going at, with the Europeans playing a regular event there every year. They knew the golf course. They could play it in the dark. We were totally green. We didn't know. And here you are playing in the most pressure event that you'll play all year. There's no more pressure than playing for your country in the, in the Ryder Cup. None. No major, nothing. No, nothing will compare because you're not playing for yourself. You're playing for a nation. And that's that's what gets lost on people. The amount of pressure that you feel on that first tee is just, it's unbelievable. To be able to hit the golf ball, <laughs> you know, is is another thing. You know, my dad, Zinger got his pod system from the Navy SEALs, but he also got the idea from part of, part of how he did his team was how my dad did the one in 91. Because he only had two picks, so his hands are kind of tied. Um, one of the guys on the team that, that made it because he won three times in 1990 and was player of the year and then didn't play any good at all in 91 was Wayne Levy. And Wayne struggled, had a bad year, and he'll be the first to say that, you know, <laughs> he would have rather have not been there. I know, you know, just with how he was playing and that golf course was playing hard. But, uh, you know, my dad had a list of guys. He had, I think it was um, Tom Kite, Tom Watson, uh, Raymond Floyd, Chip Beck were the four guys. And he had the 10 guys that had made the team allow them to ro uh, listing one to four, one and two being your top picks, and, and list them that way. And each guy individually did it. The two picks that, that were favored among the 10 guys was Chip Beck, who's the ultimate. I don't know if you've interviewed him, but he's the ultimate. He's the best guy in the world. And nothing. He's never had a bad day. He's the most confident, positive person you'll ever meet. He never says anything negative. He's the kind of guy you want on the team. Everything's good. And the other guy was Raymond Floyd. And Raymond was a, a perfect pick because of his gritty toughness, but also because my dad knew he could pair Raymond with, with Fred Couples because in 91, as my dad says, Freddie didn't know how good he was yet. And he could kind of just par partner with him and take him around the course. And that's what they did. And they were very, you know, very successful with their partnership. You could put chip with anybody. He just, everything's a good day. I remember playing a practice round with the guys the, the week before the Ryder Cup. He had them fly in to play three or four days, and then they could go home uh, for the weekend before coming back on Monday because he wanted them to play the golf course. And we're out there playing. I'm out there playing with him. I'm 22, just turned pro. Paul Azinger and I were partners against the other guys. We had about eight some, about eight of us playing. The, the wind wasn't blowing this particular day much, and... If the wind doesn't blow at Kiowa, if you've ever been there, the no CMs come out and they are just horrendous. They will, you know, eat you alive. You pray the wind blows and you don't have to worry about the no CMs, but this particular day the wind was down and the no CMs are biting us like crazy. Up the fifth hole, Chip Beck goes, boys, you gotta love these bugs. You gotta love them. 
They're tenacious. These bugs are tenacious. And, you know, he's finding something positive out of these bugs that are just biting us, killing us. And we were just, everybody's just laughing. Like, really? You're going to find something positive out of, out of the no see Great. Thanks, Chipper. And so it was just, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, that, that Ryder Cup, the guys really came together. And if you remember, we had the, the limo accident Thursday night going to a PGA of America party in Charleston. They had several limos lined up with the players and their wives and um, had an accident. Uh, one of the, the limo that Steve Pate was in had uh, got, into a, got into an accident. He went flying and his whole side of his body was bruised up and he was in bad shape. The real bad thing about this is he was playing better than anybody on our team. And the day he got hurt, he shot 66 or 7 on a golf course nobody else broke par on. Wow. And uh, and and he was going to partner with Corey Pavin, so the two Bruins were going to play together that went to UCLA together. So that team was set. We had them going. Well, that got thrown out the window uh, Wednesday night. You know, it just it's it's it was it was pretty unbelievable. But you know, it was a great Ryder Cup, and uh, you know, every two years it'll before we know it, we'll be at uh, Whistling Straits, and uh, you know, pres- pressure's on us to win. So I don't. I don't think Europe feels the pressure to win. They just come out and they're going to give it their best. And <laughs> lately it's been enough. So just a couple more, Dave, before we let you go. And um, yeah. because it was so successful, because your father's you know, captaincy was so successful and, and Zinger was so successful in 08 and your father being a part of that team and, and like say, mm-hmm. Holman, we, we, we keep handing this captaincy off to this right. one, that one, the other one. It, it just seems to me like, boy, they had it right in 08. Why do we not just mm-hmm. get those guys back together and let them just do it? Why do we keep handing this thing off for someone to learn a new lesson and then it's on to somebody else and the lesson is lost? Well, I think the one big thing, I'm not sure, I didn't hear all of what Owen said. I only heard the last five minutes of it. But, uh, you know, it, it takes, especially for the captain. Um, not so much for the assistants, but the, you know, you're really giving up uh, two years of your life, a year and a half easy of your life for this. And the demands on you um, are great. And so I know Zinger, you know, they thought about because it was such a thrashing, um, you know, I, I know that, you know, he entertained it and looked at, possibly doing it but you know again and decided not to and but there's no reason chris that this blueprint that that he created can't you know can't be used each every two years it's no secret what he did but you know we do have some interesting personalities on the teams and and you know i think uh i think patrick hurt himself greatly with you know what him and his wife if he's not, if he doesn't make the team on his own play, I don't see him getting picked um, because that's just not a, you're not a team guy. You know, it's, it's, I know he had the, you know, the name, you know, Captain America. Well, that's great when you're winning, but then when you're, things are, as soon as one little thing goes wrong, there's a blaming this or blaming that. And, you know, so what's going on in the team? You know, you've got to have, that's why I would have loved to have seen him pick, you know, um, uh, Xander, Kisner, um, you know, uh, they would have been, they would have been unbelievable. And they don't have the scar tissue that, you know, Tiger, I know it was, pre- you know, to, you know, he wins the week before gassed. He, he didn't have any, anything in the tank. Which is another reason I don't know why he played him 36 holes on, what was it, Saturday? He played right. 36 holes. Right. I, I do not know why you're playing him 36. Um, I, I didn't get that. But, uh, again, we second guess things when they don't work out and everybody's a critic. <laughs> um, Indeed. And, but, and, but knowing the pressure and, and you've got to make decisions, you realize how quick that event goes. It's three days and, you know, by the time you blink, you're in Sunday singles and you might be down four points like we were, or you might, I mean, it just, it happens so fast. And, um, you know, I wish the event was spread out a little more. I would love to see them start maybe Thursday and somehow get where you're, you know, you're playing, 
more of the guys and not sitting, but only having, you know, matches in the morning or, you know, midday and do the matches and, and that'd be it instead of all day Friday, all day Saturday, and then single Sunday. Cause you get a lot of guys that are, that's, I think president's cup does it so well with man, everybody's playing. You don't have four guys sitting out, you know, chomping right. at the bit to get in there. Um, so who knows? I mean, going to make some probably going to make some changes um but i mean zinger's blueprint does work and uh you know i mean it's we'll see i know that the you know the golf course will be set up for the bombers and uh <laughs> uh and then in two more years when it's is it over in italy next where is it right yep so it goes to italy that course will be really tight and uh the rough will be up it'll do the same thing again so it'll be about accuracy off the tee, putting it in play, and we'll see if, if you know, and, you know, that's that's four years down the road. So we're going to be seeing a whole new – we might have kids that are in college right now that are going to be playing in the Ryder Cup in four years. Right. Yeah, you, know, you just don't know – you don't know who's coming down the pipeline. Dave, before we let you go, and you talked about this uh, a few minutes ago, but uh, you're doing some amazing work with back nine greens, creating some putting greens that people can actually have in their backyards, and it's tremendous-looking stuff. Talk about the work you're doing with them. Yeah, it's Chris, it's a blast. I mean, I kind of fell into it when I had my lived in the desert, and I wanted to put a green in. And I just I went with back nine greens. I didn't know anybody there. I didn't know the company other than I saw pictures. They looked good. And when they came in and did the green and the craftsmanship of what they put in, I was blown away. And I got to know the owner and I just said, Hey, you know, I got a lot of people I know would want to have greens like this in their yard. And, uh, would you be interested in partnering up? And, uh, he said yes. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. We've done greens all over the country now. And, and, uh, it's, it's just a kick to do these, um, and we, our crews, we don't, we don't hire out. We bring our crews. We have, we have crews that we bring to the site to do it the right way. And you won't see seams. You, uh, you don't have grain. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's the, the best I've seen. And I'm not saying that because I'm a part of the company. I'm saying that because I've seen other stuff done and I've seen what we do and it just doesn't compare. And if people want to see it, if they want to see the, the work that we do, and a lot of the stuff I've done is on there with it is on Instagram. If people go to BNG Luxury uh, for Back Nine Greens, BNG Luxury, it's a great Instagram page to look at all the, the latest and greatest stuff that we're doing. And, and I post on my, my Instagram and Twitter as well. But uh, I send people there all the time and they, they get, a, get a good idea of what we can do for people. Yeah, the greens hold for hitting shots into as well. I, I just did one in South Dakota right on the Missouri River that uh, has a 30-yard tee box and a 70-yard tee box, and he, he's hitting shots in, and he put in speakers and got the LED lights in the cups, and he just he's, he called me the other day raving about it. That's the thing I love is you get people, you, do a, you put a green in for them, and then they're contacting you saying, this is unbelievable. I've got a friend that wants one. You know, that's, that's the kind of feedback you want. So I'm thrilled that, that we're able to give that kind of quality to people. And it is spectacular. I've seen a lot of the work that you guys have done, and it is absolutely unbelievable. So I highly encourage yeah. folks to go check it out online or on Instagram. Dave, let our folks know, how can they follow you online and on uh, social media? Uh, on Twitter, I'm uh, DSJR1. And uh, Instagram, I'm David B. Stockton underscore. And those are the two that I... Uh, I uh, do. That's the best way to get a hold of me. And then, obviously, at Stockton Golf, StocktonGolf.com, they can they can uh, see what uh, we have going on as well. And I'm I'm working on putting together. Actually, I didn't tell you this, but uh, in February, I'm partnered with Punta Mita down in uh, Puerto Vallarta. Going to be doing a golf school down there in February, which I'll have dates uh, soon. And I'm going to do a couple day golf school down there and play golf with people. And, uh, it's a, it's just an awesome resort with a, a Four Seasons and a St. Regis there. And then they have villas available if people want to stay in those as well. It's a great setup. Well, Dave, we'd love to have you back on uh, probably in January. Let's talk about get people fired up about the school and reinform everybody and hopefully, uh, hear all about it afterwards as well. But it's always great when we get the opportunity to have you back on the show. I always love spending time with you. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I, I enjoy the time being on with you, and I appreciate you having me on.
Dave, take care. All the best to, to your dad and your family. And uh, like I say, hopefully we get the opportunity to have you back on the show again real soon. Look forward to it. All the best to you too, Chris. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. All right. That is the great Dave Stockton Jr. And uh, again, um, he's a great follow on uh, on Twitter. A lot of stuff that uh, we just didn't have uh, an opportunity to get into tonight uh, from his uh, Twitter account. So I highly uh, recommend go go check him out on Twitter. Go check him out on Instagram. Hopefully we get to have him back on the show in uh, January to tee up the golf school and uh, some of the other things he's doing. And go check out those greens, back nine greens. I'm telling you, folks, you look at those things and be like, Wow, I can't believe that these guys are actually creating these things in people's backyards because they're absolutely spectacular. I mean, they can do even the, you know, the traps and it's not, they don't put sand in there, but it looks like there's a trap there and uh, they play like there's a trap and uh, it's just really spectacular stuff. So go check them out again. Back nine greens and our good friend Dave Stockton Jr. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. My thanks again to Owen Brown and Dave Stockton Jr. for joining me. And, folks, I can't thank you enough for tuning in and making us a part of your golf content. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. You can make a comment there. Give us some of your feedback there. You can go to our website, nextonthetea.net. Also an opportunity for you to give feedback there. And on our website, we've got links to, uh, you know, so many of our shows. And we also link back to our page over on Podbean. So we've got all of our episodes out there on Podbean. You can stream or download any of them for free. And we can't thank our good friends there enough for, you know, featuring us right there in their golf section. We're highlighted right on the front of that. And you download the Podbean app. You can take us with you. Anywhere you go, you can stream us, you know, when you're, whether you're at the grocery store, you're driving in your car on your commute, you're at the gym, wherever you're at, we're right there on your cell phone with you. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe Lajanusa as well. That show airs live every Thursday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. You can stream it live by going to Blog Talk Radio or, again, that show like this one is also available as a free podcast on Podbean, also available on iHeartRadio and uh, Audio Boom as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we're joined every week by five NFL legends who come on and share their stories about their playing days, plus insights into what's going on around the league, plus our five-star picks of the week with former Patriots Pro Bowl running back Tony Collins. We also highlight two players that are doing great things out there in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment as well. Again, you can find that show online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com or, again, or over on Podbean as well. Folks, thank you so much again for choosing to listen to the show tonight. We really appreciate, again, the fact that you're making us a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit him straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday.